As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It was beautiful, you know, you know, just getting back on the field, having fun, you know, being around my coaches and team again. You know, it was just a beautiful day for me, honest. Solid. I mean, he's got a little bit of ways to go. You know, conditioning will be a question, that's for sure. Um, but just watching him, I mean, his retention, his recall looked pretty good. And, um, you know, we did some of the things that, uh, you know, he does well. He was out there doing them. So it looked good. It was all promising. All right. That, of course, is Ryan Robinson and Ron Rivera talking about the fact that Robinson practiced today on Wednesday, five weeks after, uh, you know, a, a horrific incident. As we know, he was. Shot twice, uh, somebody was attempting to uh, rob him, assault him, not good. But what's great was seeing him back out there today. Uh, and uh, we're going to discuss that with our friend Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Howdy. Michael, appreciate you being here at the last second notice per usual. Um, in addition to that, after Michael and I talk about the day in Ashburn, I will play my conversation with former Washington head coach Jay Gruden. Uh, talk. Ooh. Talk, talk to Jay about he is of course Michael famous for making mentioning a code red situation during uh, early in his career and uh, kind of got his view if he's sensing there's a code red situation going on here now after uh, another tough loss so we'll, we'll get to that uh, the very best part of the code red game is that it became an iconic game um, you know sometimes you pronounce that and then you win by three or you lose and the whole thing's consigned to histories but that became Arguably, Kirk Cousins' most famous moment. You like that? Absolutely, yeah. No, it's it very cinematic. Jay and I talked about about that, and we also, of course, got into your one of your famous bits, the coach's uh, hot seat, uh, <laughs> or uh, whatever that was. Uh, some bit they had during when his coach's show uh, a few years ago, and uh, became problematic at some point during the, the the year. But but Jay, of course, a good sport, and was happy to talk about all of that. Um, so we'll talk about all that, and of course, obviously, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do that, do, to subscribe do to it. The Athletic as well. Do it. Uh, subscribe to the Richmond Times-Dispatch while do you're it. at it. I, I am a, a proud subscriber. Uh, follow Michael on Twitter, at MichaelPRTD. I am at Ben Standig. Enough of the plugs. Uh, you know, we've been building towards this with Brian Robinson coming back. Kind of knew it was going to be happening. Ron Rivera, 
you know, at a minimum told us on Monday they would be activating him off of the non-football injury list now technically, so I don't get yelled at by a Washington Post reporter out here. He's not technically activated to the roster. He's cleared to practice. They have a 21-day window for him to be activated to the roster or he's out for the year. I think that's going to happen. Whether it happens for this week, we'll see. But uh, more importantly, he was back out there. What did you see with uh, number eight today? Man, you know, and the teammates, his teammates in the locker room were mentioning like, hey, you know, we've seen him in the locker room. We've seen him in the weight room. We've seen him in meetings. But it's different when he's out there. He's in the pads. He's doing it. And it made it more real. You know, as we say this on Wednesday afternoon, as long as he's good tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, I think he's going to play Sunday. I think we all got that sense watching the workout. This is a guy who's going to play on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. You know, it's just, that's just my opinion. Ron's obviously gone out of his way to not promise that. Um, but I, I definitely think we're trending that direction here. Um, it gives you a juice. It's a feel-good story on a week where we are sorely lacking for feel-good <laughs> stories. Um, and I think, uh, you know, to tie this in, it, Jahan Dotson is going to be out on Sunday, almost certainly. Again, not promised by Ron, but but seems like he's going to be out Sunday with a hamstring injury. Gives you a chance to run more two running back sets, put Antonio Gibson out in space a little bit more where he's comfortable. I think it allows the roster to maybe breathe a, a little bit more than when you're having to force Gibson into that hole earlier this season. Yeah, it's such it is a classic situation for this team. It feels like from purely from the football perspective, getting Brian Robinson back is big. I really do think they were building a game plan overall behind his ability to you know run between the tackles get positive yards on a consistent basis you know which will help you know the sort of the up and down with Carson Wentz and help you sustain drives something they have struggled to do and right as he's coming back Jahan Dotson goes down with a hamstring injury uh he suffered in the Dallas loss uh he could be out one to two weeks round Rivera said initially but we don't have anything definitive on that and then we also have Sam Cosme Thumb surgery. He's out. I don't know how long. I I, I don't, was reported by Ben Standing. Nicely done. I you know got got that one. Um, I've heard different numbers. I don't know, but you would imagine if you're going to have surgery on, yeah. your th- on, on 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 your thumb, you're going to be out a little, a, a little bit. So that's on top of the benching of Trey Turner for Sadiq Charles. On top of the, they're already on their third center. Lots going on. But you know, getting Robinson back is a big deal for 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 sure. You know, I, I was asking some of the players, like, we're talking, we talk a lot about this in terms of football, but in terms of, like, life stuff, like, the, what perspective do you gain from being around this situation? And just to, for you, maybe not so much today, but when this happened initially, did it, was there anything like that for you where you're like, wow, this is like, you know, somebody we all yeah, know. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, and, you know, like, I, I think the jarring things about it were, it was it was daylight. It was, it was 6 p.m. or 5 p.m., whatever it was, I forget. It was on a, a popular intersection of Washington, D.C., um, and, you know, just as, as you know, Ron, I think, uh, had some very nice things to say about gun control and society right after, and I, I would echo those. It just drives home, like, you know, sometimes you hear about these shootings, you just think, like, well, I would never be in that situation or that place or, like, you know, things happen in nightclubs or whatever. Like, I know you hit the nightclubs on yeah, the road, but I, I don't. Um, you, th- this is, like, you can have a full, like, that could have been me. On this, like, I eat dinner. I'm outside at 6 p.m. sometimes. Yeah. I live near Washington, D.C. Like, all of those things, they just come by. You just feel like, one, you feel for the kid and, and what he went through. And obviously, incredibly miraculous that, that he's on the other side now, which is awesome. 
but but then too just that the pause of like man like societally that's rough yeah w- w- without a doubt i'm with you that it was when you heard the details as to where he was the time of the day you're like wow that really easily could have been um something we would have done assuming i actually might left my house um <laughs> but yeah it's um it's crazy. I mean, he, he seems like he's handled it really well. I mean, obviously, we don't, you know, you never know what goes on behind closed doors. We've seen him for several weeks now in the locker room, and, you know, he seems like he's been in a good mood, and that continued oh, yeah. to, to today. But but at the same point, Rivera was saying he thinks that Brian um, is a little more appreciative of, of, of life, and you would imagine that if you go through something like this, that, that you would be, and hopefully, you know, football side that that's, you know, a big takeaway for him. Yeah, and Terry McLaurin had some very nice comments about just how, you know, he had mentioned Brian Robinson's kind of quiet energy that he had brought to the team that everybody's feeding off of. And he just impressed that, you know, and Brian Robinson told us that, hey, you know, I, I had those down moments in the hospital and certainly, you know, question if I'd ever play football again. Then once I found out I, I would, like, he was, he flipped the switch. He was full speed on this. And, and I think, you know, the, the team has fed off of that energy that he's brought to his rehab, his comeback, um, you know, it, it's not a given. We talk about these, like, timelines and stuff. It, it's never a given that you get to come back. You have to put in the work, too. Rehab is hard work. Logan Thomas made it back for week one. That was awesome. Like, he worked hard to do that. It's never a given. You know, so if you don't put in the work, you're not going to get to where he did it. And Brian Robinson put in the work. I, I think in general, like, obviously this is the extreme circumstance of getting shot, but I think in general – we just take rehabs for granted that one day they will show up. Like, like say, with yes. Chase, Chase, Chase Young right now, right? Yes. Everybody's like, oh, wait, what's taking so long? I'm like, <laughs> sometimes these things take a, take a while. And, Human and, body. Yeah, and, and you also have to put in the work. I mean, I had a completely not like this, of course, but, like, I, I tore ligaments in my ankle back in the uh, 10th grade. Hi, Peter Haley. Did <laughs> you, come on in, Pete Haley. Did, come on in. You're, you're, I, I debut all my hottest takes in the standing uh, room. <laughs> Sorry, Ben, for taking your primary podcast studio. It won't ever happen again. The one that we recorded normally was just frigid. Um, Pete, Pete took the standing room podcast room. So this is the, the backup standing room. Um, Pete is the only one standing in the standing room. Though. That is correct. It's a very, very casual standing room today. I'll just leave. I didn't want to interrupt. I just wanted to say no. hi and acknowledge that I took your spot and I would have hated it if the roles were reversed. I apologize. We're good. Did you? We're, we're talking about Brian Robinson. Do you have any uh, thoughts on on the I, experience? I, I was today? actually he, he went to Chase Young. I was about to debut my Chase Young hot take. Oh, so go let's for do it. that. You I can, mean, I'm rooting for Brian so hard. I hope he has three touchdowns on Sunday. Uh, I want to hear this. What a great story, be. Chase Young. Nobody is better at making sure he ends up on TV seven times per game than Chase Young. Like he, they're showing Ron Rivera. He's hanging out right behind him. They're showing Jack Del Rio. Oh, Chase Young's there. Jonathan Allen makes a big play. Like He comes to the sideline. Who's right there dapping him up? Yeah. Chase Young. Like Chase Young is making sure we do not forget about Chase Young. Yeah, he's, he's always been that way. When there's an incompletion, he does the DB arms cross. <laughs> when there's a flag, he gets very animated. He doesn't agree with it. So uh, he likes to slink around the locker room and avoid us. But when the TV cameras are on, like most of us, he likes the attention. <laughs> he he does well you know look good good for him we'll see when we're able to see him back on the field uh peter haley is leaving now to go back to his work uh busy man over there uh at nbc sports washington um yeah no good point though in case though he is very well there was a play this year in fact when i was watching like the all what play i'm gonna play i was watching the all 22 and it was some big play down the sideline 
and like the first player on the sideline that I saw was uh, was Chase Young. He's right there. <laughs> Reacting. Uh, oh, I think it was the uh, Derek Forrest hit on the sideline where he crushed mm. um, in the in the first game. Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. and and Chase Young was the like he and he was doing yeah. sort of the uh, what's the, uh, the Superman? Yeah, yeah, do, do, doing that whole thing. Um, okay, all that said, <laughs> um, you know, with, with the question with Brian, when people have asked me like, okay, this team, what? What's the deal? How disappointed are you in the offense? Whatever, and obviously that's you know it's been a, an unimpressive um, situation the last three weeks. You know they at least scored in the first half last week, but that's still only seven points in three in the last three first halves. Obviously a three game losing streak. The one caveat I have continued to give is just the is the Brian Robinson element because I really do believe. You know, they drafted him for a purpose, and that purpose was, and I think Rivera suggested this as much, is that that winning streak last year, the four-game winning streak, was about ball control on offense that helped the defense keep stay fresh and so on. And they, I think, recognized that as good as Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick are, they're not those types of players. And that the fact that Robinson looked as good as he did this summer, that this was where they were going to go. And then he... This happens. So now it isn't just you're losing a talent, you're losing a specific style, and they have not been able to to do that. They did run the ball effectively in the last game against Dallas, but it's not the same thing. The play action's not working accordingly. So if I have sort of one hope for them in terms of this thing turning around maybe quickly is if Brian Robinson is able to get out there in a reasonable way and allow them to play that style. I think from a football perspective, I think that's what I'll be most intrigued to see. I agree with you. I normally agree with you. I think you're a smart man. But. But (laughs) This team was more effective running the ball than passing the ball on Sunday. That doesn't happen in the modern NFL. It just doesn't happen. This team, every time they ran the ball, five yards. Just book it. Four and a half yards down the field. And in, instead of leaning into that, they somehow still communicate what they're going to do with the line of scrimmage because they're running these crappy play actions out, out of obvious passing situations, obvious passing formations, and, and your, your tight ends. <laughs> I love the tight ends. I love Logan. I love, Cos, uh, I love Bates. I love what we've got to work with here. They are not even a little bit selling these play actions. Not even a little bit. They're, they're, they're jumping up and jumping into their pass protection sets. Scott Turner's tipping off that they're obvious passing down. The running game is fine. The running game is not the problem here. I'm excited for Brian Robinson. Everything you said is correct, but it does not excuse the failures the last three weeks, in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I hear I mean, I think, like, and, you know, I think it would be interesting. I have not charted this, shockingly. Uh, but, like, the types of runs. Like, I, I think with, like, this past week, right? I mean, J.D. McKissick averaged... Five yards a carry on eight carries, but he's typically not somebody you're going to stack the box with. Jonathan Williams, he hadn't really gotten much work. He got 48 yards on five carries because I'm sure Dallas is seeing him and they're like, well, we're not going to worry about him. Of course. Antonio Gibson, though, the main back, 13 carries, he averaged 3.8 yards a carry. And I don't, I just still don't think that, and and of course, they also went away from the run in the second half. I just don't know, I don't think that anybody's completely buying that he's going to beat that guy. That's all I'm saying with Robinson. I think it's just, even for their own confidence, independent of whatever the defense is doing, that ability um, yep. to do that. Okay, all that said, oh, yeah. you're correct. The, the the passing game is... We're both correct. We're, we're both correct. We're both correct. Great. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, it's great to see America unifying here. 
Um, so obviously, though, the passing game is the real story, and you know, the pass protection in particular is kind of a mess. Um, you and I were seated next to each other in uh, Jerry World, and I think we both kind of had the same reaction watching the game, and that was surely the offensive line is is a mess right now, and maybe even more so when you have with more injuries piling up. But that at the end of the day, you didn't bring in Carson Wentz to be a guy you need to hide. If you wanted to have a, a sort of that stopgap guy or a rookie, you could have drafted Malik Willis. You could have signed Mitch Trubisky. But they made the big move to get a quarterback who they believe can be a difference maker. And to me, they were treating him like they don't completely trust a situation that may be more offensive line than him. But I, I just think if you have that quarterback you should be allowing him to do more, even if it bombs. And they seem to be hiding him. So uh, that's, I think, the big question is how do you unlock Carson Wentz here? Yeah, and they've, they've got to figure out a way to get him to stop swinging for home runs every time he's at the plate, to, to use a metaphor from another sport that apparently some people still watch. It, you know, it, it, he's got to connect on these five-yard routes, these six-yard routes, uh, you know, if nothing else than to set up the stuff down the road. He is turning down completions. He is turning down incompletions, as we saw on the intentional grounding where he could have thrown it away quicker but didn't. He is committed to making every play an absolute home run play, and it is to his own detriment, to the offense's detriment right now. But you're right. A minute before halftime, two timeouts, and they just sit on it for 45 seconds and then fling up a prayer to Terry that obviously he was absolutely not expected to catch in any way that to me it was like oh shoot like they are more worried about him turning the ball over than they are optimistic that he's going to make something happen absolutely and i i'll i talked a bit this at length in the recap podcast you can go check out my thoughts there if you didn't hear that about that that's specifically that end of the half um Anything else for you uh, with regard to something that we either heard today? We obviously we spoke to Ron Rivera, Carson Wentz, Brian Robinson, along with the locker room. Anything else from that you took of interest or anything else heading into this game against Tennessee that you would like to uh, note? I think this is a fascinating stretch here because, you know, after this game, you're on the short week. And generally speaking, teams don't shake things up on the short week. So anything we would see, we'd be seeing now. I think the only thing that we might be seeing is some sort of William Jackson situation, St. Juice, you know, maybe shuffling that up. We we won't see that until Sunday, of course, if we see that. But, you know, on the whole, you're committed to what you're doing for two more weeks. If if they don't find a way to win these, you have a clamoring for change on the long week. You come back from Chicago, everybody sits around for three days. That's when change happens. So, you know, we're not not at code red, I guess, on, on the change watch. But, but we're maybe a week and a half away from being there. Um, and, and to the point about like what else they might do, Ron Rivera gave an interview to uh, J.P. Finley. Yeah. Boy, it's a lot of NBC Sports Washington mentions here. Yeah. He get, talked to J.P. Finley um, and said— Sucking up to Leontis, I get it. <laughs> that's, de- <laughs> that's definitely not happening. Um, but uh, in terms of— um, uh, he, he, he said something that—he was asked basically— you know, if, if some of these issues continue, could bigger changes be in the works? And he said, effectively, yes, yeah. and we may be oh, even yeah. close. Yeah. So today I asked him, well, what does that mean? Because we're all going to think quarterbacks and the coaching staff. And he, he said, quote, in my mind, it's we'll see. I mean, we got time. As each game progresses, we will evaluate and we will go from there, end quote. So he really didn't say much, of course. But I guess that is the question. Like, I mean, unless he's just putting words together to form a sentence, then, like, if that has if what he said has real meaning, the only real two things would be effectively 
the quarterback, which I don't see happening, or a coaching staff, a coaching change on the staff, and that doesn't seem like a thing either. I mean, the defense has been okay the last few weeks, and I, so I don't. So what, is it just that? Is he just putting words to form a sentence, or do you, is there something else that could be considered a big scenario? I think it's like when your parent threatens you with a consequence, but they don't know what the consequence is. Yeah, I'm gonna punish you for that. What are you gonna do? I don't know, but I'll figure it out. Like I think he gets that everybody's really mad about this start, and he needs he needs to do something. I don't think he knows what he wants to do. I don't think he knows what he's going to do, but I think he has picked up, correctly so, this is not sitting well with the fan base, and if it continues, he's going to have to do something. Um, what, what did you make of it? Because Monday, this today's Wednesday, we, yeah. Monday we got him after the game. I was We were both at the airport, actually, yep. um, on the way home. Uh, it was a very interesting conversation on a lot of fronts, yep. including him saying that he, he appreciates the frustration that's out there. From the fan base, he, he dropped a couple of uh, words that needed to be bleeped if you were on TV type stuff. Uh, to, to your point, it did, it do, I think you make a good point. Like It feels like he, he knew he had to say something but didn't quite know what to say, and maybe the curse words kind of like helped to show frustration. But I think he's genuinely frustrated. I think fans don't give him enough credit for that. Like I think he thought this would work, and it's not working, and I think it bothers him. Uh, that's very different from knowing how to fix it, and that's very different from owning the problem, which you know we, we've only seen bits of so far. But this is a problem made by the GM, the coach, and the people the coach brought in, and I, I, that would be Ron, Ron, and the people Ron picked. Uh, this is Ron's situation. He owns it. He's got to find his way out of this. And he's he did it before. He did it in Carolina. He became Riverboat. Um, we can't rule out that he's going to find his way out of this. We're just saying he's got to do it. Look, even last year they were two and six, right? Not we're all writing off the season, and they won the next four games. Exactly. So we'll see. Uh, last thing, and then I'll let you go back to your life. Uh, the Dan Snyder of it all. We yeah. see him out at the field yeah. um, the other day, first time he's we've he's, we've seen him in a public setting since the season started. Um, I asked Rivera today, kind of, you know, when's the last time you talked to? You know, he was there. But, you know, when's the last time you talked to him? He didn't say anything in terms of like the football stuff. He just said that he had a chance to say, you know, say hi to him and uh, Tanya Snyder, Jerry Jones, Jason Wright. Um, that was about it. But just in general, like, what's your view of the Dan Snyder of it all? Um, the fact that he was there and, and, and having that sort of public photo op with Jerry Jones. I thought it was a good question by you, by the way. Um, I I think that that's the ring you have to kiss. Like, if you want to hang on to your team, if you have Jerry Jones <clears throat> on your side. You can do whatever you want in the NFL. Like, they can't kick you out if Jerry's on your side. He controls too many votes. He's too influential. I, I think it was Dan making a statement of either like, hey, look, Jerry still supports me, or of going out there and outright graveling Jerry to continue to support him. Um, that's the most important vote Dan can have in his corner right now. He needs to make sure to tend to that. Uh, in terms of Ron Rivera's job status, the wins and the losses will determine a lot. But I also think where Dan Snyder's head is at mm -hmm. is a factor here. We're still waiting for the transcript to come from Congress. We're still waiting for mm -hmm. the Mary Jo White report to drop. In terms of Ron Rivera's job status, wins and losses sort of aside, what what do you think is – how do the outcomes potentially swing if – depending on what we get back from these reports? I'm not quite prepared yet to declare Ron on the hot seat. I've all, I said coming into the season I thought Ron was fully safe at the end of this year, mostly owing to the ownership status. And I continue to think the most likely outcome would be some sort of he gets stripped of his GM role as opposed to he gets outright fired. I, 
I think just because of all those wins that are swirling, I and because of how loved Ron is nationally, I don't think Dan can touch him. Fair enough. Uh, go read Michael at the Richmond Times Dispatch at Michael PRTD. Let's get to Jay Gruden. I'm excited about this. L- let's do I'm, it. I'm, a, I'm not going to listen to it live, obviously, because we're sitting here. But as soon as this is released, I love Jay. Jay's the man. I know this is going to be a good chat. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, he he is fun. Uh, Michael, appreciate it, man. Take care. All right. Uh, before we get to uh, Jay Gruden, just a quick uh, update here on some other injury notes. So we'll see again if Brian Robinson is is fully activated to the roster this week. Same thing with Tyler Larson, who is back. Um, same as, as Robinson, his 21-day window started today. He obviously had his Achilles injury, and look, he could absolutely be a starter again, um, considering where, where they're at at the center position. Um, Cornelius Lucas was filling in at right tackle today without Sam Cosme there. That's to be expected. In addition to that, no Dodson, no Cosme at practice today. Percy Butler was a DNP with a quad injury, Milo, uh, Milo Eifler hamstring he was out and Curtis Samuel was out today as well with an illness so we'll see where he is at meanwhile Charles Leno is still limited with a shoulder he's been wearing sort of the red kind of I guess you'd say non-contact jersey in practice so he played this past week but needless to say they cannot afford any kind of more uh, injuries on the offensive line so we'll see how that goes there um but as michael said it's time to get to jay gruden uh, a really fun conversation touched on as i said sort of his perspective as a guy who's gone through these sort of code red situations uh, but also how he views uh carson wentz the offensive line what you know what fixes are out there so we'll do that right after this message Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, he is back to talk about the Washington Commanders and all things NFL. He is, of course, former Washington head coach and the man who's a, a sports bar fanatic on Sundays, Jay Gruden. Was it, a, was it three for three since I've been asking you? Did you did you make it back to the uh, same place again? Yeah, I have to. I have to watch all these games. It's important for my uh, podcast abilities. <laughs> well, good. What uh, We'll get to this one, obviously. Did you, did you enjoy any uh, any action in particular this week? Well, there are a lot of good games. There always are a lot of interesting storylines, and, and uh, you know the one thing I've really realized, you know, other than the Eagles who are four and zero, there's a ton of parity in the league. So right now, if you're sitting there at one and three, or two and two, or three and one, I mean, it, it is it's going to be a dogfight, and it's going to be a lot of uh, battles going on to try to get to the first nine wins or ten wins, and, and uh, That'll get you in. So there's still a lot of football left, but a lot of parity. Guys are struggling off both sides of the ball. Some guys are playing better than others. But at the end of the day, if you can uh, stay healthy, uh, eke out a couple close ones, it'll do you a lot of good coming uh, late November. I'm not just in general. Like Some people love parity. I have a friend of mine who likes that. I don't. I prefer having like a couple of teams at the top that you have to shoot for. So thus, when somebody wins, you kind of have a feel for like, all right, here's the bar. 
of what it means to be a champion because we've seen these teams do this. And then you aim at that team. Um, I don't like it when it's like everybody could win on any given Sunday. I know that's the deal, but like, I think there should be like actual good, the best teams. And then everybody else is trying to get there. There's still just go by the top ranked quarterbacks. And those are the teams you got to beat. You know, the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allen's, the Tom Brady's, Aaron Rodgers. Those are your top teams right there. Uh, You know, so no secret to why they're the top teams, but those are the teams you got to knock off everybody else. You know, you throw in Philadelphia now the way uh, they're playing on offense and defense with Jalen Hurts. Uh, Everybody else is pretty uh, wide open. Yeah, no, I mean, and certainly the NFC feels that way. I mean, obviously Philly looks pretty good and, you know, you never discount an Aaron Rodgers team or a Tom Brady team, but yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see. Obviously a long way um, to go on all these fronts. You know, one thing that's interesting is, We'll talk obviously about Carson Wentz here, but like it feels like almost all the quarterbacks who switched up, you know, Russell Wilson, uh, you know, he he's off to a slow start. You know, Mitch Trubisky already got uh, bench Baker Mayfield not looking Matt so Ryan. hot. Matt Ryan, and Matt Ryan, exactly. Is that I don't know? Do you see any common theme? I mean, because some of these guys are veterans. Like I don't, I don't buy the it takes a time to learn the new system when you're talking about a Matt Ryan or a Russell Wilson. So, I, but you tell me, like, is it is it that or is there? Do you see something anything else going on? A little bit of that, for sure. It, it does take time. You know, you're talking about a whole new system, terminology, uh, protection schemes are different. The players around you are different, so you got to get to know them a little bit. Uh, what the offensive coordinator and head coach expect of you is different, too. So uh, their concepts will be different, how they want to attack down the field, how they want to attack cover two, cover three, how they want to pick up the blitz. It's all a different mentality, so it does take those guys some time. It's it's uh, only the truly gifted, gifted outrageous quarterbacks can probably go in right away and be successful. I, I guess that's the thing is like those guys skew the bar for what we, what, what we expect. I mean, I'm not, I live in the real world. And like, you know, when Washington is looking for a new quarterback, you know, when you were there or here or whatever, and like, I get it. There's only so many of the difference makers, but that's what you're the, the franchise quarterback. You're always looking for that guy. When it's not that it's like, eh. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like, it's like with Kirk. I mean, Kirk was is a good quarterback, but he's never quite gives everybody the feeling of like he's taking us to the top and thus it leads to frustration versus like, hey, he's actually pretty good, but he's just not that guy. Yeah. Well, you have a lot of guys that can win a lot of games for you, but they won't win games for you. They they will rely on people around them, but they can do enough things to get you wins. Uh, there are other guys now that you don't have to play worth a damn around them. And they'll still get your win. You know, some of these guys are just that talented. So, uh but there's only a couple of those in the universe, so don't have to worry about that. <laughs> no, 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 no doubt about that. By the way, we're talking on a Wednesday morning. Did you see the uh, Aaron Judge uh, home run last night, or do you even did you even care? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, that's uh, historic. Beat Roger Maris's record, so that's exciting. I wish it could have been that fan. <laughs> right. Well, at least, at least he got the ball as opposed to the. Uh, the guy in the 61 who basically dropped it right there at the fence and is going to be miserable for the rest of his life um, on that one. Do, do you, uh, do, do you, uh, I, I, just for fun, do you view some people are playing the game of like, he's the clean home run champion versus, you know, Barry Bonds has the record, but everybody views it as tainted. I, I personally am like, look, they played the game. Those are the rules. They weren't testing the people, whatever. That's what happened. He's the record and then move on. But what, what you, you, you have a, you have a care about uh, that. I- I agree. I could take as many drugs and performance enhancing drugs as I wanted to. I'd never hit 73 homers. I mean, I, I don't give a dang. That's, there's Barry Bonds, such an uh, epic talent that uh, it's hard to take away any accomplishment that he had. So uh, 
that's just my view. I know a lot of people disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, look, if they had if, if they had slowed the roll with McGuire and Sosa, because Bonds was already the better player, but they were getting all the attention. And then he was like, well, I got to keep up with them, I guess, because this is where the game is going and stuff happens. But in any event, you didn't come here to talk about baseball records. Um, let's talk about a team whose record is one in three. Uh, you know, when we, you and I talked, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, we, you know, we uh, went back to your past. At some point, you mentioned it was a game where like you kind of thought, hey, if we don't win this game, I could be I could be in trouble. And I think it was the 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 infamous code red comment that you made after a game against Luton to the Jets to go to two and four. And then obviously the next game you're playing Tampa Bay and you're down, was it twenty four to nothing? And that's the game where uh, Kirk Cousins rallies you guys back. He you guys win at the last second. He does the you like that bit after the game and, and things improve a lot from there. You guys end up finishing nine and seven, winning your last four um yeah obviously i'm sure you remember at that time what made you say that code red moment in there because that's something you put on yourself you it's not you know you did that to yourself you did did you why did you do that well uh sense of urgency you know you're one and three the quarter of the season is over and uh you, you get the one and four and uh in the nfl like i mentioned everybody can beat everybody pretty much and it's going to be hard to dig yourself out of a one and four hole almost impossible Getting back to two and three, getting some positive mojo into the second quarter of the season was critical for us at that time. We lost some games we thought we should have won, and it's time for us to turn the meter up a little bit with the urgency level. I mean, you can't just say, oh, we got it's only week five, it's only week six, it's only week seven. Well, you're out of it week seven. So you got to make sure you stay on pace with everybody else in your division. And I just thought our team needed to know that uh, we got to have a sense of urgency. And we didn't early on. We got down 24 to nothing. But fortunately, we came back and, and won that game. I mean, what an unbelievable – like, if, if – if that had been instead of week, what I meant, you know, middle, middle of the season, if that had been like to make the playoffs, you think you can make a movie out of that. So you know, the yeah. coach gives the inspirational speech, you're losing, but then they have this incredible rally. You're like, no way they're going to win. Um, yeah, that, it, it was very cinematic how that all uh, played out. But the point in comparison here is you guys did rally. You had that, you had that moment. Obviously you're not in the locker room here, but I'm just curious from the outside when you're watching where this team is at, it's still early. It's only one in three, but the way they've lost these last three games, and now you're starting to see the injuries pile up. And now there's been kind of more questions about Carson Wentz. Like, okay, we're kind of seeing some of the issues he had in the last two places, particularly in the pocket, things like that. Does it feel from the outside like we're reaching a code red situation now? Uh, a little bit. It should. I think that, uh, like I said, if you get the one and four and Philadelphia wins next week and Dallas wins and or one of them win, I mean, you're, you're three or four games out already. And it's hard to overcome that. I mean, it's really hard. Uh, then you're battling for uh, wild cards and all that stuff. So you got to keep pace with your division at least. And uh, being one and four is just not the way to do that. You have to make sure they have some kind of urgency. You have to have some kind of positive mojo starting now. So these guys have a little momentum. So they have a little belief that they can get it done. The more losses you pile up in a row in a row, then everybody starts questioning how you practice on Thursday. Who's this guy playing? Why is he playing? Why are we calling cover two? Why aren't we blitzing? You know, why aren't we throwing the ball down the field? All these questions will just continue to manifest upon you like a wart. Uh, and, and it just kills your whole function of franchise coaching your football players. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, no, no, no doubt. Um, when, Coaches, players, they all typically say they don't pay any attention to what I say, what any of us write, what people are saying on the internet, whatever. Obviously, I know that can't be completely accurate. Now, you're not a 
certainly when you were coaching, I don't think you were a social media guy unless you had burner accounts you didn't tell us about. Um, did, how much though is like, are you aware of truly what is happening? Obviously we're asking questions, but that doesn't necessarily mean the true vibe. Like, were you truly aware of this notion of like people were upset, like the fans in particular, or is that just, or, or, you know, were you actually paying attention to what was happening? That's a given whenever you don't win in the NFL, I don't care what the market is, especially this market, but any market really, you know, it's, it's actually fun to Google coaches that lost the, the, the game on Mondays and uh, see what they're saying about them. So now that I'm out of it, it's kind of funny, <laughs> but you expect it. I mean, when you sign your dotted name on a dotted line as a head coach, you know, if you don't win, you're either going to get fired, or you're going to get heckled to death. And uh, that's just the nature of the business. That's the way the fans are. I mean, it's big fantasy football. People are betting on games. Uh, they expect you to win. And they're, they're true burgundy and gold fans for a long, long time. And uh, they've been through some great seasons, successful seasons, championship seasons. And that's the expectation around here. When you don't meet those, you're going to get hammered in the media. And you deserve to because that's what you get paid to do. So, wait, you said you, you're paying attention to what people are saying about coaches. Has anything stood out to you, uh, good or bad, that somebody said that uh, – I just chuckle. I like watching some of these, man. I see, you know, Harbaugh's getting badgered in the media about his fourth and one call. You know, I got all these coaches. You know, it's, it's funny, you know, but, you know, people don't understand how hard it is to make those split second decisions. Uh, all you're trying to do is do the best for your team and uh, what you think is right. And sometimes, unfortunately, it's the wrong decision, whether it's personnel wise, whether it's uh, draft wise, whether it's situational wise, play calling wise, whatever it might be, you're not going to be right 100% of the time, but you have to make sure that. You do what you believe in your heart, what your preparation tells you to do. And if it doesn't work, then you got to move on and, and try to uh, figure out something to get a win next the following week. Were there any, anything that came out of this Dallas game in that vein that you've seen people discuss or write about or, or what, or whatever that has made you chuckle or you think is like overstated, understated, whatever. I don't think, I, I think everything's pretty much accurate right now. I think there is a lot of concern for the Washington football, the Washington commanders, uh, because they really haven't done anything to uh, say, okay, well, at least we're playing this well, this part of the game well. I think Tressway is punting very well, so they do have that going for them. Um, defensively, they, they did get better in the first half last week. They got some stops. They held Dallas 12, which I guess is a victory. Offensively is just uh, – there's really nothing there, unfortunately. The running game did improve, but that's a positive. Um, but they're all over the place, uh, and they're not converting on third downs. They're not maintaining any drives. Uh, so there's a lot of concern there moving forward as far as getting the ball in the end zone. Uh, you got to have to get it in the end zone a little bit more than they have. I mean, they couldn't get it in the first half against Detroit. Seattle comes in at Detroit and scores 40 in the first half. You know, you just, you just don't understand why with these type of players that they have with McLaurin, Dotson, and Samuel and – uh, you know, the tight end, Logan Thomas and Carson Wentz, who they paid a lot of money to. They got two solid backs. Why this is happening. And it's frustrating for a lot of people. I know it's frustrating for the Washington commanders. The, um, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but you and I talked and it was when Tony Romo was getting a lot of attention for like um, calling the plays before they were happening. I guess he doesn't seem to do that much anymore, but I don't know. Anyway. Um, and you were saying, uh, oh, come on, that's a, that's a party trick almost. You could do that. You know, you can kind of see what's going on. One of the things that's being said about this offense is that it's become a, a bit too predictable the last three weeks. I know you're only watching it on TV versus watching it in, in, in a booth or all 22 or on the sideline. But when you're watching it and you have a feel for, you know, how offense are created and, and what, and, you know, probably patterns, you could, can you feel that you know kind of what is coming when, when, when they're lining up? 
you know, a little bit. You can base it on personnel-wise. You know, when they're in a two tight ends or three tight end sets, you know they're going to try to pound the ball at you. I think if they can get a little bit more creative with those type of sets and get some play actions off of those looks, because they did run the ball effectively with those looks. I did like the fact they did some three tight end sets and Terry McLaurin on the field. Unfortunately, you take out uh, Dotson and Samuel, but you do get a little bit more sense of physicality about your team. And and we actually uh, gutted some teams in our three tight end sets when we had you know, Vernon and Jordan Reed and Sprinkle and, and, and those guys back in the day. Um, so those are effective sets. They just got to be a little bit more multiple in those sets, and I think that'll help them out a lot uh, moving forward. I think they will. Uh, but, no, I, you know, you can tell when they want to run the ball. I think when your head coach says you're not running the ball enough in the media, then the next week you pretty much know that they're going to run the ball first time. You know, that's <laughs> just the way it is. I mean, yeah. you want to be a physical offense, and the only way to do that is to – uh, try to pound the ball, and they did an effective job against Dallas doing that on uh, first and ten, second and short a few times. Just an unfortunate thing. Penalties hurt them, uh, and then when they got to third down, they couldn't convert. They took a couple horrible sack intentional grounding plays, uh, which took them out of some drives. Uh, they just got to eliminate those idiotic plays, and uh, they have a chance. You know, you mentioned play action, and I think like the sort of the simplistic view is if you can run the ball and you continue to run the ball, you know, then the linebackers are going to have to, and the safeties will have to respect the run. They move up. Now your receivers go down the field behind them, et cetera. And you have a lot of fun. But even though they did run the ball this game, it didn't seem to make any difference to Dallas. And Carson Wentz's play action numbers, which historically have been pretty good, are definitely down this year. Can you, from your view, can you see what is not working with the play action? Are, they, are the defenses just completely not respecting the, the run at all knowing that with the offensive line they're going to be able to get the wins or what what are you seeing that the play action is not working well I think a couple of play actions they tried you know one time they tried and Micah split the tight ends you know the tight ends tried to stay in a block and he he destroyed them both and it was a sack or a throwaway right away a couple of them they actually uh, rallied and covered the patterns pretty well and Carson had nowhere to go um, so there is some uh, give and take in that usually in play actions you only have three guys out if it's a max play action uh, and uh, if they cover those three, you're pretty much screwed. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they just have to keep fighting through it. You know, they have to get the quarterback out on the edge a little bit more, I think, with some bootlegs. They've tried that. He's missed some throws in the flat. Um, you know, Scott's done an a, a admirable job trying to get this guy to change his launch point. He's tried some quick game. on. They've thrown the ball to the flat about five times. They threw about six release screens to the receiver. So that's 10 or 11 completions he's getting. Carson, uh, you're, you're not – I'm gonna. he's getting them nine or ten completions. Now – the other throws, some of the down the field throws, he's got to make some plays. They completed one outside lane uh, cover two hole shot, and they completed a deep sit to, to Samuel. Other than that, I can't remember any balls past 10 yards that they completed in that game. Yeah, uh, I don't have the stats in front of me, but basically the, it, of all the quarterbacks this week, Carson went to like air yards where he, where easily the lowest um, in the league. And I know part of that is concerns over the offensive line, and needless to say – that line is both beat up and not playing well. It looks like for this week, there may be three new starters since week one. And obviously that's not where you want to be in week five and maybe even a fourth uh, different starting center if Tyler Larson uh, end up playing. So clearly that is uh, problematic. But you, you mentioned Wentz and having to make plays. I think what stood out to me with this game, no doubt the offensive line has not been great. And, you know, we can question some Scott Turner play calling or some other things. But to the degree that it feels like they're trying to hide Wentz and his limitations stands out because he isn't just a stopgap quarterback. He isn't just the guy who, like, you know, like to some degree, like Taylor Heineke last year, whatever you could get, 
was a win because right he's the backup and he's limited in certain ways whatever they paid good money for Wentz they paid a good uh amount of draft picks for Wentz he's supposed to be a difference maker but it feels like they're almost treating him like you know a he's just yeah like a rookie or he's just a, a veteran yeah. there they're, they're trying to hide is that kind of is that kind of stuff? oh yeah yeah, I think the end of the half will tell you tell you a whole lot what you want to know about how they feel about their confidence in the offense right now. Right. When you a minute to go in the half and you run an inside zone for a gain of two and then you get to the line, you take your time, you have two timeouts left, you just take your time and you throw a quick pass out to the flat and you got third down and one uh, with 30 seconds ago only and then they run another inside zone and then they call a timeout with 19 seconds ago. Uh, that tells you that they're not too fired up about their ability to push the ball down the field or make some plays. So I, I think hopefully that'll come uh, as Carson gets more familiar with everybody and the line stores up a little bit, but uh, that should tell you a lot right there. A hundred percent. I wrote about that, you know, that to me, that, that I, my original lead of my story was the Washington commanders do not trust Carson Wentz. Um, I I don't know if it's Carson. It could be the entire scheme the entire yeah. offensive line. Dallas, in fairness to them, they were down five and, uh, you know, you don't want to take a sack, fumble, all that stuff. Give them another uh, a set of points, a field goal or a touchdown in the half. Going to halftime down 12-7 probably was a smart thing to do with the way Dallas rushes a quarterback in known passing situations. So uh, you can't totally fault them, but there is a degree of what the hell, man. We got we paying this guy. We got Doxa. We got McLaurin. We got Samuel. I mean, surely we can throw a flat slant or a curl or a – dig or something down the field <laughs> right no 100 100 and, and you're right that that's why i didn't use that because there is more than just um him in that scenario what was the game for you guys was it at seattle and you had like four random offensive linemen starting and everybody was like well there's no way you guys will win and then you end up winning is that is that right seattle yeah i don't remember I, I can't remember who our guard was at the time i didn't know his name i think i had to put names on the helmet uh in practice on thursday we're teaching the snap count uh, on Thursday in two minutes, all the signals again. And the, it, it was uh, it was a nightmare. It was, it was it was brutal. But, you know, a lot of teams are going through this. It's not like Washington, ho-hum, we're the only we're the only team with injuries. You know, you look at the Rams, you look at a lot of these other teams, the 49ers, some of these teams are going through it too. Uh, you just, it's just the way football is this time of year. And it's not going to get better. It's just going to get worse. Typically, though, the teams that do stay healthy and have a good quarterback are the teams that – you know, they go 14 and three or whatever it is. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of teams that are going to go through these injuries. Hopefully your key position guys, your quarterbacks, your star receivers, your key corners, your pass rusher, uh, they stay healthy. That's the most important thing. Otherwise, uh, for the most part, though, you're going to have to mix and match a lot of guys throughout the course of the year. I'm trying to remember here. It looks like Ruye and Tyler Catalina had just made like starts the game before. TJ Clemmings, I think, was involved. TJ Clemmings, yeah, he was there. <laughs> yeah, but you basically, you guys were down like everybody except for Morgan Moses. Uh, it looks like. Um, in that and game, similar, I remember, and I'm sure uh, Scott Turner was going through the same thing. I can remember one of our coaches in the press box uh, recommending a seven step drop, and I yelled at him. I said, "Are you effing kidding me? I mean, we can't block me right now. How are we going to block these guys in Seattle?" on the road when they're keying off, you know? So yeah, it, it, it becomes very difficult as a play caller when you have very little confidence that you can protect your quarterback and your job as a play caller is to number one, protect your quarterback. And, and Scott's battling. I'm, I know he's battling that in his mind right now, trying to be aggressive yet trying to protect his quarterback. That's a fine line. Yeah, no, no doubt. And obviously when I look at the all 22, it looks like on, a, on the play calling, they're still trying to send the receivers, you know, 
beyond the beyond the chains. And when like at least on like one of the, I, th- I don't can't remember if it was the intentional grounding or just another play where Wentz had to throw it away. But like the pressure is on him before any of the receivers even like turned around. Um, and on the intentional grounding play, the first one they had eight people in to block, only two receivers in the pattern, and Dallas rushed five. Still got in, and so when he goes then to roll out to to find somebody, he's only one receiver to that side of the field. He was covered. Um, it's just nothing is 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 working uh, right right now. Is there that situation where you should know that as a quarterback? I got no outlets. I got nothing. I got to throw the ball away. But I mean, what's going to happen if he scrambles for another two two seconds? Nothing. They're 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 blanketed. Throw it throw it over the quarterback of oh, the coach's head and call it a day. Instead, they took a twelve yard sack and got intentional grounding. Yeah, and I think that's like the part that's like where it's like tough. It's not, it's the line, it's the quarterback, but the combination of, of this has really uh, become unsettling for them. Um, R- R- Rivera sort of hinted at, not to us in the media group, but to uh, JP Finley with NBC Sports Washington that, you know, potentially there could be some big moves coming, maybe not this week, but like on, on, on deck. He didn't specify what we're going to talk to him in a little bit. And obviously you're not in his head, but. What, I don't even know what the big what that could mean. I can't imagine they're going to bench Carson Wentz. I can't imagine they're going to make any kind of staff coaching change at this point. But who knows? The, is there anything for independent of what he's thinking? Is there anything for you that you would say if I'm going to have to do something radical right now, I would do X? Is there anything that kind of stands out to you? Well, I think that uh, radical would be changing quarterbacks. They're not going to change coaches right now. Obviously, coordinators or that. I mean, who's going to call plays? Uh, so you, I think the radical move, if you're talking radical, I mean, offensive line changes aren't that radical. It happens every week. You know, the receivers are the receivers. The defense, they're not going to make any radical defensive changes. Who are they going to change them to? The radical change would be a quarterback. You know, the, the one thing Taylor does bring to the table is ability to scramble and make off-schedule plays. And if you have a line that's struggling protecting, sometimes if you have a tough little gritty quarterback that can move around and scramble and run for 12 yards on third and eight, I mean, that keeps drives alive. That can be effective. You lose the arm strength, you lose the experience, but you do gain a little bit of backyard football, which might be necessary uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, he was asked specifically uh, when when everything's starting to mount up, do you at some point have to consider bigger changes? He said, quote, yeah, you do. It's something that we have to address if it gets to that point, and we're getting close. To be honest, we're getting close. And then he just kind of goes on from there. And that's why it's like, okay, well, what does that even – mean and you know whatever sometimes people just put words to form a sentence and it doesn't have bigger meaning <laughs> than that and you know you obviously have been in the situation where you get asked a question you have to provide an answer so maybe it's just that but yeah that's the thing is like they have so little depth options even if we wanted to make a say there was something else beyond the quarterback I don't even know what would be that they could even do like William Jackson had a poor game the other day but the backup cornerbacks are guys who have no experience so I don't see how that's a thing. Their offensive line, they've already changed three starters at this point because of injuries and not benching. So I don't even know what else it could be other than a quarterback if it's a, actually a big thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. You know, They get the running back back. Uh, maybe it's Robinson. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, but, yeah, I think uh, drastic is uh, changing staff members, I guess, or quarterbacks is the only thing. That when, when I hear the word drastic, that's what drastic means to me. But, you know, you, you, you don't ever try to put words in somebody's mouth when he makes a com- uh, comment like that. But uh, if you're making drastic changes, that's the only drastic things I can think of. Um, obviously, R- Rivera has – he's got sort of final say on everything here on the football side, which is obviously something you were not afforded the opportunity to, which I know we've talked about before would have been obviously great to have that. Um, at some point, though, the owner – 
who has ultimate say over everything, would presumably stick his head in the door and say, hey, how are we doing? What's going on? How, when you were, I don't know if it was it towards the end for you, but like, how what, were you having regular conversations with, I know you had Bruce also, but were you having regular conversations with ownership about, hey, what's going on? And if so, what were the nature of those kind of talks? Uh, when it was towards the end, and I knew it was towards the end, I had no conversations at all. That's when I knew it was the end. I thought, uh, you know, when, when the owner starts coming in pregame, stops coming in pregame, wish you luck, uh, you know you're done. Uh, he stopped talking to me in preseason training camp. Uh, he didn't uh, – they didn't uh, um, give my coaches another year under contract, which they did every year that I was there. You, you just know, and it's, you know, it was tough. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're communicating a little bit more, but uh, – for what Ron has total say over everything. So uh, he doesn't really have to communicate a whole lot unless Ron needs some money for a player. Maybe they're making a drastic change with a major trade. Who knows? Like, who knows? Maybe that's it. Uh, anything is, uh, is, is possible. Um, one last thing about sort of your, 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 your time, there was a unfortunate named segment during the 2018 season, during your TV coaches show, the hot seat challenge. I assume you remember that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I, I mentioned that in the story I wrote today because in the the templated article I had to write for the Athletic, one of the questions was just what's the status of your coach for the rest of the season and beyond. And I brought I brought that up. And obviously, when you hear the name of it, what an insane name of a topic! Like whether you're talking about you know Bill Belichick who's not getting fired or any coach, that's an insane thing. At what point did you did you when you first heard what this was? Were you like, wait, <laughs> what, what are we doing here? Or at what point did you realize like what is going on here? wasn't supposed to be like that. I made it into that as a joke, but it really was kind of a serious joke. You know, I was kind of famous for my sarcasm. It was really true, uh, but it was supposed to be just a hot question. The top topic of the day was what it was, but I made it to <laughs> my seat is hot. <laughs> well, I mean, it's an unbelievable because that's, you know, unfortunately, that's where we're at. Like people are starting to ask that question. If, if that's where we're at here, um, you know, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, all right. Well, any any uh, we, we didn't talk too much about the defense or the upcoming opponent here, Tennessee. Obviously, they've got Derrick Henry, which is a, a load to deal with on the ground. Um, any was there anything from the defense that stood out to you this week, or is there anything in terms of this Tennessee matchup that you kind of want, want to make a note about? Well, obviously, when you talk about the Tennessee Titans, you talk about physicality and you talk about Derrick Henry. So, um, you know, they have done a better job stopping the run the last few weeks. You know, when you played Philadelphia, you're a little concerned, and uh, you know some of these other teams that gashed them a few times, Detroit. But they have stepped up a little bit, stopped the run a little bit better, and they're going to have to this week. Um, they're going to have to load up the box. And if you're going to load up the box and your corner's got to hold up, you know, Williams got to step up, play a lot better. Obviously, uh, St. Juicy, he's playing pretty good. Um, Cameron Curl's going to have to be physical in a running game. So uh, I think they can do that, uh, force force Tannehill to throw and try to keep him in the pocket where he can't run and hurt you with his legs and uh, make these receivers beat you, which I don't know if they can or not. I'll ask you this. You can tell me to buzz off when, when, when you're the coach of this team or any coach, but like, and things start to go wrong. Everybody kind of wants you know, starts pointing fingers and, Oh, Jay Gruden could, couldn't get the job done or whatever. And now since you've been, since you were let go, you know, they did make the playoffs the first year, but they haven't had a winning season since uh, you had a winning season in your second year. And these problems continue organizational things beyond Ron, as we know, but just, on the field as well. Do you, do you kind of look at that at all and be like, uh-huh, <laughs> you guys are all trying to pin this on, on me that, 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 that here's a. 
Well, there's a couple things there that I think that a lot of the things off the field were uh, magnified and had no effect on our job as coaches, coaching the football team. You know, we try to keep football, football, and everything else it happened. We didn't even really care about, you know, I mean, so a lot of that stuff is, is, is just swept under the rug. As far as I'm concerned, when it came to coaching football, I thought we did a good enough job. We had all the things needed to coach our football team. It's just, we had a lot of injuries. And then some of the decisions we made personnel wise weren't, uh, I think in our best interest as an organization, unfortunately we made them anyway. Um, but as far as football is concerned, um, when you lose games, a lot of people who have the Twitter accounts, a lot of the players, the bad eggs who have the Twitter accounts are negative on Twitter. Those are the ones that get magnified and make your team and your organization look stupid. It's very important for Ron to make sure he keeps a, a tab on these players, make sure everybody's positive, uh, saying positive things about the locker room, about the meetings, how they practice, and that'll go a long way. But once somebody drifts off and starts tweeting, hey, we had a bad practice, and I, I don't know why we're playing cover too. You know, I need to rush more. and I need to play more man-to-man, or I need to do this or that. That's when problems occur within your organization. Uh, but if you have quality players in there, uh, you'll battle through these tough times and you'll become better because of it if you can battle through these tough times. Well, Jay, we appreciate you uh, battling through these tough times. Um, you know, you, 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 I, you know, we'll give you a couple of days to recover from your outing at the sports bar, watching all the games. And, uh, you know, we, we appreciate you coming in here fresh, re- refreshed and ready to talk football, even if it's not great football. Yeah, it's great <laughs> All football is great. It's fun to talk about. Absolutely. Uh, Jay, greatly appreciate it. We'll, we'll, we'll talk uh, next week. It's an early week next week with the Bears, so you and I may have to have a scheduled conversation, but we'll figure it out. Uh, appreciate the time, and uh, we'll talk then. You got it. Thanks.